0: WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital, doctors, health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital. It's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local health care system and your local pharmacy.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matisak, and in this episode, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. While PTSD affects about 12 million Americans a year, when we hear the term, we usually think of combat veterans. Well, our guest today happens to be a veteran who served in a combat zone. She's also an advocate for those who have served our country in the military. Amber Viola is the commander of the Gouldsboro American Legion. In fact, she is the first black female commander where she leads community initiatives to support veterans in need. She is also someone who is well acquainted with the mental health challenges that arise from active military service. And that experience helps fuel her desire to support and raise awareness about the many difficult issues that American veterans face. She's also a mom, a podcast host, and she's pursuing her master's degree in social work from Marywood University. Amber Viola, welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast, and thank you for your service.
2: Thank you so much, Tracy, and um, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on this podcast with you.
1: Well, I understand that you served in the Navy. Where were you deployed and what was your role?
2: So I was on two deployments. I served on the USS Abraham Lincoln, which is an aircraft carrier. And we did um, normally when we would deploy, we would deploy into the Gulf And so you'll see sometimes on the news well they'll have like one carrier pulling in and another carrier pulling out. So we always have a carrier presence and a carrier strike group presence um, in the Middle East. So when one carrier moves out, like mine would come in and we would be on deployments in the Gulf. My first appointment, I came in uh, as an undesignated sailor, which means I didn't have a particular job yet in the Navy. And I worked with the bosun's mate. So I drove the ship fresh out of like boot camp, you know, been in the Navy five minutes <laughs> deployed right away and I'm driving an aircraft carrier, um, standing a lot of watch. And then my second deployment, I became a gunner's mate. So I stood watch on the gun mounts. Um, we trained pilots, um, security and things with using the small arms weapons that we had as well as standing mount we- mount watches on the bigger weapons.
1: Mm. Those of us who have not been in the military can scarcely imagine the experiences that you've had. Um can you tell us about the mental health challenges that came with your time in the service?
2: So you are I mean you're basically kind of isolated from your friends and family. You're you're away from everybody and that starts when you're in boot camp, you know, you're you're out of your element. So there is a lot of loneliness that people deal with and I think especially in this day of day and age of where everything is right at our fingertips and we all have smartphones, it's very hard for people to admit that they are lonely. But there can be a lot of loneliness in when you're an active duty service member. You're not around your family. You're not around your friends. Um, you're in a new environment and you're kind of just always on high alert and high stress regardless of what you're doing. You know, They always teach you to train like it's really happening. So in turn you're never really training, so your body is always kind of at that high alert, high stress. So those are some things that everybody kind of deals with when you're in, no matter what job you have, those are things that you're are you're gonna deal with regardless.
1: Yeah, and you were diagnosed with PTSD <clears throat> yourself. Can you tell me about what led to that diagnosis?
2: Absolutely. So I had been dealing with some mental health issues and was, you know, doing the right thing. I, I used the VA and I was going to therapy and stuff. And I felt like what the treatment plan that I was doing wasn't really working. and wasn't really helping me. So I got with my therapist about kind of trying to go about things a different way. And, um, you know, it was COVID was happening and, you know, we're trying to all get back outside but then at the same time we're worried about being outside. So there's just so much going on and I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD and I was like, oh, well that makes a lot, a lot of sense there. <laughs>
1: yeah, no doubt. Um, and how big a problem is that among veterans, would you
2: say? I think it's a huge problem. I think especially because a lot of people, like you said in your intro, Tracy, really contributed to just being a combat veteran where you're you know getting blown up and then you end up with ptsd but ptsd can be from anything can be from any experience um even if where your unit or your ship isn't necessarily getting um bombed you know you're still dealing with issues where you are on high alert on a a gun mount because there's you know pirates or different things happening Um, ships have issues where they start on fire or they flood and, you know, imagine you're in your birthing where you sleep on a ship and it starts flooding in the middle of night when you're sleeping and you wake up to like a foot of water, Mm. that's going to cause you some trauma and do stress and, and may cause PTSD. And that necessarily isn't from being in your typical, like, um, PTSD, like, firefight type situation.
1: Yeah. What did PTSD look like for you, Amber? I mean, did you have nightmares? What kinds of symptoms did you experience?
2: So everybody experiences PTSD differently. Um, For me, it's definitely uh, hypervigilance and also uh, insomnia. And then it's just a lot of, so I do have a lot of people with PTSD don't necessarily have nightmares. You'll have a nightmare Hmm. and you'll have kind of the same nightmare all the time. So it's recurring and you may pick up different pieces of the nightmare. You may start here sometimes. And sometimes you start there. You may never, ever really finish it all the way through the end. Uh, Rarely you may finish it through the end. So even with kind of the nightmare thing, it's, it's a it's a different beast for a lot of people, but a lot of times it's, it's a recurring dream that you're having where you're basically playing out the same scenario in your head from different angles.
1: Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that the symptoms can vary from one person to another, um, but I'm wondering if PTSD can then lead to other mental health issues. And I'm thinking about things like substance use, depression, anxiety. Can it then lead to something else?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, A lot of times people want to self-medicate when, because you know you're having these issues and they're causing you stress um, and they're making it hard for you kind of to live your day-to-day life. So people will medicate with substances and then you do end up with a substance use disorder. Um, It's not always easy to get help through the VA. It's not always a smooth process. My mom is a veteran too. Um, She did 22 years in the army. And she talks about when I transitioned out of the Navy and how I had such an amazing transition. And part of that was due to my family, um, the support system that I had up here in NEPA and the resources that I had available to me. But a lot of people don't really have those things. So for me, I was able to get my disability through the VA and, and do all that thing. And I did a lot of that while I was still coming to the end of my active duty tour and got that relatively in place so that I was able to step right out of active duty and go in and use the VA right away. Sadly, that's not often the case and that doesn't often happen. So you still have veterans who have physical issues and maybe mental health issues who aren't able to use the VA or the VA doesn't pay for all of their medicine or all their appointments and different things. There's different levels. So there are barriers with just even seeking help. And then as a veteran, you are often faced with when people think of PTSD, like they think that you're crazy and, you know, and yes, are there veterans that have bigger triggers than other people and maybe other veterans? Yes. But at the same time, there's people who are out there working and and functioning and are amazing parents and school teachers and police officers and firefighters that all are dealing with PTSD while still being great citizens.
1: Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit later on about the difficulty of getting help oftentimes for veterans. It just seems that that is a continual issue. And one of the other things, though, that I wanted to ask you about was the risk of suicide among veterans, because I know that that is something that you speak about to groups. Um, It is a huge problem. Can you talk about that and how often we see that in the veteran population?
2: Yes. So veteran suicide is is an epidemic. Um, There was a recent study that came out that said that If you add in overdose deaths and things like that, the actual number of veterans that are killing themselves isn't 22 a day, it's closer to 44. Mm. So you have an insane amount of people that are dying and that are killing themselves. Um, There was just veterans that committed suicide in Norfolk. Um, There was four at one command. Um, all happened within a relative short, relative uh, amount of time. Mm. And so it's something that needs to be dealt with head on and faced, but it's it's really just not being addressed. And because of the barriers with getting mental health treatment through the VA and then barriers just in everyday life with cost, um, t- transportation, the effect of it having on your job, Because then you have to think about what jobs do veterans have when they come out. Um, A lot of the police force are veterans, firefighters, like I said, you have a lot of people that are still going into kind of high stress jobs. And if you're in a job like that and then you say, hey, I'm not doing well, you know, I'm going down that rabbit hole, I feel it coming, I need help, you run the risk of now not being able to do your job. Yeah. Amber,
1: why is it so difficult to get help you mentioned a few minutes ago that sometimes you know certain things are not covered it can be difficult for veterans to get the help they need especially as it relates to mental health why is that
2: well they you know they tell you that it you know there's standard time and then there's like va time hmm. and how long things things take so sometimes you can be there for a day, you know, getting having different appointments or trying to meet with your doctors. Like it can just be a really long process. And then there was issues with people's different discharges, as opposed to like if you got an honorable discharge opposed to other than honorable or dishonorable and people not being able to use the VA facilities due to their discharge status. Also due to your benefit status, um, what percentage of disabled are you to be able to get your medicine for free and your appointments and and all of those things um one of the blatantly obvious ones is transportation you know we live in northeastern pennsylvania and uh, the closest va here is in wilkes i'm in scranton so that's about a 25 30 minute car ride um but you need a car and you need gas to be able to get out there. And then if you have a job, you need a job that you're able to take time off work to go there. And again, like I said, it's not always a simple 20 minute um, con- you know, doctor's appointment really quick in and out. It can be hours and it can take forever. So now you're running the risk of not being at work and maybe losing your job if you don't have a job that you can really take off work to during the day to go get your appointments. And you're just not gonna be able to go get your appointments. I knew a veteran that walked to Wilkesburg from Scranton. That's mm. insane. And that should never, ever happen. Um, there was uh, a bus that was taking veterans at the time, but what would happen is they would leave at a certain time in the morning, take you to the VA, drop you off there, and then the bus would leave again by like noon or one o'clock. So if you're, you had appointments after that, then you didn't have a way to get home. Wow. And if you had an appointment, say at eight in the morning, you'd get there in time for your in, um, appointment, be able to have it. But then you have to sit there until one o'clock for you to be able to get home. So there's just a lot of different things that affect whether people are able to get treatment. Also people who are homebound or injured, you know, may not have a way to get out. And then I, I do a lot of my VA stuff online and you know, as I'm sitting here talking to you guys right now, you know, I have my laptop out. I have my iPhone next to me. Um, I'm able to kind of navigate that technology and be able to figure all that out and upload my documents. But everybody's not going to be able to do that. And I get calls from people who are, I serve for my American Legion asking me for help about how to do this or, or how to do that because they're they're not up on the new technology and they, and they don't really know how or I mean we still have people who don't have smartphones who don't really have mm. email accounts so then when you're telling somebody to go online on the VA's crazy website and you know be able to check on their benefits or do different things you're asking somebody to do something that they're not capable of doing
1: yeah there are just so many roadblocks it sounds like and the irony in all of this is that it sounds like the people who may need the most help may be the least able to get it yeah well we have much much more to talk about including treatment options a little bit more about your advocacy work and we will talk about all of that in just a moment but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back
0: WVIA presents a Mind Over Matter Minute.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Kylie Oleski from Geisinger. Sleep is essential to our health and well-being. The National Institutes of Health estimates about one third of people have trouble sleeping with five to 10% of people being diagnosed with a sleep disorder. The most common sleep disorder is insomnia, where a person has difficulty either falling or staying asleep, which interferes with daytime activities. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is a first line treatment performed by a clinical psychologist. Most people can experience positive outcomes within several sessions. We all have trouble sleeping sometimes, but if it is persistent, you should talk to your doctor. The good news is that insomnia is treatable.
0: Remember, you are not alone. For more, visit wvia.org forward slash matter or dial 211 to speak with someone who can help. Mind Over Matter is presented by WVIA in partnership with Geisinger.
1: And you are listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. We are talking about PTSD and particularly as it relates to veterans. We're talking with Amber Viola, and she is the commander of the Gouldsboro American Legion, where she leads community initiatives to support veterans in need. And Amber, when we left off, we were talking about the roadblocks and how difficult it can be uh, to get help. And I know that one of your goals as an advocate is to bring more young veterans and veterans of color into organizations like the American Legion. Um, What is keeping them from participating?
2: Oh, that's a a tough question a little bit, but... um... I, one of the biggest reasons, honestly, and sadly to say is the barrier of racism and homophobia. So you do have a lot of older veterans who, um, you know, may be a little stuck in their ways and, and see the world a certain way that it's not really anymore. And I think that blending those two groups can be challenging and difficult, But I know that is a big barrier for people of my generation's OEF, OIF veterans to kind of come in and want to be a part of organizations like the American Legion, like the Veterans of Foreign Wars, VFW, and you're not always welcomed in those spaces. So that is a really big part of it when it comes to women, um, LGBTQ veterans, and BIPOC, um, Black, Indigenous, People of Color veterans as well. And then you have also the issue of people having some homophobia in thrown in there as well. So you have that. But, um, you know, I'm really trying to make a change and trying to show the positive aspects of it. I think that uh, post 274 is a great example of blending the old with the new. Um, You know, I'm the commander and I'm the commander of people who are, you know, way older than me that are my that are my elders, that are people that I I look up to um, and respect and. At, and I can learn from, and also they are very willing to be open to new ideas and to how to do things. You know, I'm teaching them at meetings how to scan our QR code for for our Venmo for donations and things like that. because um, <laughs> we we need a new roof. So we're trying to work with kind of the older generation of veterans that we have, and I can go to them and ask them like, hey, what do I need to do? And how do I need to go about this? And can I work with you? And then they're asking me, you know, well, what are some ways that the kids are you know, raising money these days and, and fundraising? So you kind of have to go and be willing to do that. And I think you need a leadership team that is willing to kind of take a stand and have people's back and do that. Because there's been times where we've had to tell people, like, you know, we are not going to accept that type of language or behavior here, you know, where everyone's welcome, every veteran's welcome. And if, you know, and if you have an issue with that, then you can leave. But everybody else is going to is going to stay and be a part of this. Mm.
1: Well, you yourself are a woman of color, and I would imagine that that could present its own challenges in the military. Is that part of why you became an advocate?
2: Honestly, it really is. Um, I grew up here. Um, I grew up in Goolsboro. I went to North Polk high school. I'm in Scranton now and the amount of racism that I faced when I first joined the Navy was insane. And I had never experienced it before. And I was very taken back and very shocked because I grew up in an area that was majority white and I just had never experienced that type of issue. Um, But once I got in and I saw like, wow, the military is really brown though, you know, most uh 40 of the army is minority you know so you have a lot of people of color in this and when i joined the navy i was like wow there's a lot of black people a lot of filipino people a lot of asian people a lot of spanish people more than i i really thought or knew because when people think of veterans and when people see veterans when you see advertisements or somebody's interviewing a veteran or you know when fox news is talking about vets it's always very straight white male and that's just not the case of what the face of a veteran looks like today. So I really want people to feel accepted and included and be able to use the benefits and the resources around them. Because when you're not connected to a American Legion or a VFW or, you know, a VA, you can miss out on a lot of resources and opportunities and different things that, and services that they provide.
1: Well, speaking of resources, let's talk about treatment options and what is available for veterans in particular um, when they are struggling with mental health issues like PTSD.
2: So there is so much stuff that's available now. So through the VA here, you can do traditional therapy. um, You can have a traditional therapist and a psychiatrist also, and that's the person who does the medicine. Um, There's organizations like Warrior Strong that do yoga and mindfulness and breathing exercises to really help heal the veteran, both body and soul, at the same time. Um, The VA now is offering cognitive behavioral therapy, which is Considered the premier approach to combating um, PTSD. There's also a women's clinic that focuses on women's health and women's issues. And that comes into play when you're dealing with MST, which is military sexual trauma, which is underneath the umbrella of PTSD. So there's areas where you can come and talk to women and be around women and, and be in that safe environment to try to get the health that you need. There is veteran's choice as well, so you're able to go outside of the VA and get resources in the community, um, especially for people who want to do kind of a more holistic approach. Um, things like yoga, meditation, acupuncture, different things. Um, I've worked with a group, Equines for Freedom, where they do therapy with horses and kind of building this bond between a veteran and the horse really is has a way to um treat and is very therapeutic for people who are suffering from ptsd so those are only just a few examples um there's art therapy now and there's music therapy um marywood university offers those types of therapies and i know that they're great with veterans um and things like that so there's there's really a lot of resources out there now that's not just you walking into the va and sitting down in front of somebody you know telling them all your problems.
1: Yeah, and, and it kind of goes back to the point about um, encouraging veterans to become part of veterans' organizations so that they can take advantage of those resources to the extent that they're able to. Um, but also, I was interested to hear you talk about some of the non-traditional kinds of treatments. You talked about yoga. You talked about mindfulness. And um, I have been reading as well about you know marijuana as a form of treatment, even yes. psychedelics. And there are organizations that help veterans to access psychedelics particularly for PTSD what do you think about that
2: I think that's great I did read um, a journal article about microdosing and using um, mushrooms also using cannabis and different things um, MDMA and different ways to help people by microdosing psychedelics to be able to combat PTSD and obviously medical marijuana here in Pennsylvania. If you have PTSD or anxiety or depression, you can get a medical marijuana card as well. And that can be part of your like prescription, you know, um, part of your treatment plan. Not every doctor you find is gonna be on board and agree, but I think it's definitely good to look at yourself and kind of how you would like to be treated and how the best way you think you're you could handle treatment because it's going to look different for everybody some people really like to go into an office and sit down and like lay on the couch type of thing and there's other people who maybe would do better with a more holistic approach including medicine but as a more holistic way so i think it's great um i love the idea of using the natural things that happen we find in nature to be able to really help us. And I I wanted to highlight something really quick is a lot of veterans have an issue with the VA pushing medicine and, and pills and opioids, especially in the face of like the opioid crisis. So there is that mistrust there. So veterans really are looking for other ways to treat PTSD that is not necessarily a pill.
1: So Amber, for someone who is listening, a veteran who is listening and is interested in getting some help through a veterans organization, where do you start?
2: You can start by Googling um, because that is always where I kind of start. And you can also go to the VA website, va.gov, and there is a search in the toolbar. You can search and then If you put in something like that, like vet centers or veteran resources in your area, centers will come up and resources that aren't necessarily the VA. So we have different vet centers here in the area. There's one in Scranton. There's one like on Pittston Avenue. There's... um, like I said, we have Warrior Strong, which has a yoga studio, which is downtown. So there are a lot of good veteran resources. And the the VA website is a good source of information to search in there to try to find different things. Um, Because they have, like, legal services. Um, There's links to veterans courts. For anybody who's had issues with PTSD that's turned into a legal issue, there is veterans court for them to be able to help them clear the legal side of, of that while also helping with the diagnostic side of, of working with PTSD as well.
1: So there's a lot out there and, and just kind of getting back to the point that you made earlier that maybe everybody does not have internet access or a smartphone. Um, there may be ways to just, I guess, either to stop in or to just place a phone call to one of the organizations and kind of start there to get some guidance.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, there is. Um, You can stop in, like, say, the Geno Murley Center, or if you're in Wilkes-Barre, you can stop in the VA and just ask questions. I've called and just asked questions, too, because, you know, that's the only way that you're going to learn and know things. I've even called VAs outside of the area to help other fellow vets and people that I served with to try to get information. Um, Here, you also have the Scranton Counseling Center, um. And I work with them through Marywood University and at Scranton Counseling Center, you're able to use utilize their resources as well. And they help veterans too. Um, the Recovery Bank is not necessarily a veteran organization, but they do serve a lot of veterans and they are very veteran friendly and they have a lot of different resources available as mm-hmm. well.
1: So finally, Amber, for anyone who is listening and maybe struggling with PTSD or has a loved one, who's in that struggle, what do you want them to know and what would you advise them to do?
2: I would advise them to talk openly and honestly with that person. Um, Sometimes we think that beating around the bush or or we're trying to be, you know, we don't wanna hit the nail on the head, but sometimes you really do need to hit the nail on the head and you need to ask people, you know, are you thinking about killing yourself? You know, are you contemplating suicide? Mm. Are you okay? I am going to get you help and, and not feel guilty about trying to step in in any situations like that. And if somebody is struggling with mental health issues and it's not necessarily to that extreme yet, then you can do them a favor by looking up information to kind of help them because it can be really overwhelming. And sometimes when, as I like to say, you're going down the rabbit hole, which is just when you're in throes of kind of a mental health crisis, it's going to be hard for you to try to figure out and, and comb through all the information and resources. So if you have a family member or friend who is really going through it, instead of telling them, like, go get help, help them find the help and, and help them find the resources and also go with them. You know, go with people to their doctor's appointments or their therapy appointments or to see their acupuncturist, whatever it is go there and be with them to be involved. And obviously you might not be able to sit in on on every therapy session, but there are some that will allow somebody else to sit in there with you until you start feeling comfortable and you get to the point where where you can do it on your own because people really need a support system. And one of the things that you really face once you get out the military is loneliness again, because you're no longer around people Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, I lived on a ship for years So I slept with, you know, 12 to 90 other women in a room at any given time. So when I first got out and I was living on my own, you know, the amount of quiet it is and there's nobody to talk to and there's nobody around all the time, that can really get to people and, and really cause a lot of issues. So don't feel like maybe you're being overbearing and pushing, but but be there and, and support people and not just saying you're going to support them, but like, what are you actively doing to support them? If they're in the throes of it, you know, bring them some food, make sure they're taking a shower, you know, make sure they're, they have all their prescriptions, make sure they have vegetables and fruit in their house. All of those things will really help yeah. somebody who is trying to get on the path of trying to get healthy. Cause you know, once you get, once you kind of get it together, it, it's a lot easier than you think it is to be able to go through and, and, um, and to live and things like that. But when you're first starting out, it, it can be really difficult.
1: Yeah, great practical advice, things that people can do today. Amber Viola is the commander of the Gouldsboro American Legion. She is the first African-American female commander, by the way. She served in the Navy. Amber, thank you so much for making time to talk with us. You are doing a great work.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And um, if anybody would like to talk to me or get in touch with me, I do have a website. You can reach me at amberviola.com. Um, you can come down to Goldsboro Post 274, our American Legion. You can always call there, and they will get in touch with me as well. Um, as I do have a podcast, Politics But Make It Fashion. We're on every platform um, so definitely find me and I will help you out if I can. So thank you.
1: And that is com. if you'd like to check out the website. I'm Tracy Matysak. You've been listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. For more information on this and other mental health topics, check out our website at wvia.org slash mind over matter. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
0: WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital, doctors, health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital, it's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered just need over-the-counter stuff we've got that too and geisinger pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors we're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy